And this is the one I think that gets so missed with real estate agents is learning to be the expert. People are relying on you to be an expert. Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Smart Agents Podcast. As always, my name is Michael Walter and I'll be your host. In today's episode, we are joined by Jennifer J. Hammond, Vice President of Washington, D.C.-based TTR Sotheby's to talk about how she launched and built her more than 25-year real estate career. After 10 years of hosting her very own SiriusXM satellite radio show, she now hosts the Jennifer J. Hammond podcast and is a best-selling author. You can find the link to her book, Real Estate Agent Survival Skills, in the episode description. Throughout our conversation, Jennifer shares stories of how she broke into real estate, talks about how important it is to stay true to your personality to find success, and gives her three survival skills for realtors in a recession market. Now, before we get on to the day's featured interview, make sure to subscribe to the Smart Agents Podcast. You can find the show on all major podcasting platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and now Amazon Music. Also, if you or someone else on your team has an incredible story or tip to share with our community, send us a message at feedback at smartagents.com. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. All right, let's get on to today's featured interview with Jennifer J. Hammond. As you'll hear for yourself, Jennifer is full of positivity, making her induction into the Happiness Hall of Fame a no-brainer. Really, the way I like to start everything out is if just introduce yourself to us a little bit, who you are and where you're at in the country. So my name is Jennifer J. Hammond, and we usually say the J is like, yay, because I'm known for my yays. And I hosted a radio show on SiriusXM for 10 years um, teaching about real estate. But I started my world, my whole life started in Key West, Florida, which is the southernmost point of the continental United States. And I always laugh, we're closer to Cuba than we are to Miami, but Growing up on an island, you get a very different viewpoint. But most of my real estate life has been for 26 years in Washington, D.C., but I'm licensed in Virginia, D.C., and Maryland. And I I didn't think that I would end up spending all this time as a real estate agent, but what I found is I had gone and I had gotten a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and I, the, my master's is in public administration. And I thought for sure, I, I was recruited by a congressman from the state of Florida to work on Capitol Hill. And, and I didn't, I don't even think I lasted a full six months working on Capitol Hill. And I mean, I just was one of those wide-eyed, I was an island girl who's wide-eyed and innocent and thought I could change the world by working on Capitol Hill and found out very quickly that it definitely one person it's um doesn't really happen that way. So I changed my yeah, I ran across the street to the Library of Congress and I sat there with a librarian going, Oh my gosh, I have student loans. I have a you know a bachelor's degree, a master's degree. Now what am I gonna do? And after that, then I got into real estate and I just it's been such a joy in real estate, not only because I'm so passionate about someone transforming their life. And, and one of the things financially, we're so often not taught what to do. And the real estate agent as a role, we have a huge high responsibility to our clients to be able to actually help them understand their, their financial decisions that they're being faced. And yet we're not trained to be a financial advisor. We're not trained as a tax person. We're not trained in the law. <laughs> there are all these things that we touch 
when we're talking with our clients. And yet we have to be able to know when we can help them and when we need to refer it out to someone else. So I have been so blessed with just tons of clients and working starting when I first got into real estate, I really worked with the first time home buyers. And then it was funny. Then, of course, as I started to grow up, then they also grew up and then they became second time home buyers and third time home buyers. And it's so fun. And then I started specializing in relocation clients and I helped over a hundred families relocate from Michigan with Volkswagen Corporation down to the Northern Virginia area. And that's a completely different niche. And I think there's so many things that you can do in real estate that really serve your clients. But one of the most important things is just really being able to be willing to be there when they need you. Right, right. So when you first got started, and I mean, obviously you, like you said, you grew up in Key West. You have a, a DC, totally polar opposites, really, in the in the lifestyles and just, you know, down in the Keys, everybody knows each other. You know, it's very community-based. And up there, it's so fast and paced. How did you break in and how did you start making a name for yourself? It was so funny because Key West was definitely part of my very first client. I met her um, through an open house. I was hosting an open house for um, another agent in Washington, D.C. And my very first client, she, she decided to hire me as a buyer's agent and I helped her find her first house. And when we were at closing, it was actually the settlement attorney who asked her, why did you choose Jennifer? And I thought it was so funny because she said, well, I chose Jennifer because she was from Key West. And I thought anyone who grew up on an island in a small town like that had to be somebody with a good heart who would be very ethical and I could trust to advise me on this. And I was like, wow. And she had been pursued by all sorts of real estate agents. And I think one of the most important important things that I found, you know, especially going from an island to a big city is number one, truly be yourself and don't try to be somebody else. I think so often we try to, intim we're intimidated and we, we think, oh my gosh, I need to be the, the, you know, and you've got fill in the blank. And even the negative little, I always think of the, um, the goofy, uh, cartoons, there was like the little devil on one shoulder and then there's an angel on the other. And it seems like the devil's always telling you you're, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not whatever. And as a brand new real estate agent, what I found one of the secrets to, to be really successful coming from an island was to just embrace that I was I was an island girl who had come to the city and and not try to hide that, you know, because I, I can't tell you how many times someone said, you're not from around here, are you? And I thought, the compliment, right? And then I realized, no, that was not. That was an insult. And and partly, like, I remember one person saying it to me who she said to me, she looked at me and she said, wow, that's a beautiful color for a suit, and as her, the tone in her voice changed, and of course I was enthusiastic. I was like, I know, I love this, this shade of cobalt blue. And it was such a big, bright blue color. And I realized that, you know, coming from Key West, the colors are much more bright and blue. And I remember my broker saying to me, <laughs> Jennifer, you need a lot more muted colors. Try to fill your closet with black and grays. And I was like, what? I don't understand. But the I like the bright colors, the purples and the blues. And the and then I found out, you know, um, again, I just 
would say hello to people. I would talk to anybody. Hi, you know, it was the guy parking the cars and, you know, the person who is sweeping the streets. And I'd talk to anybody because I was from an island. And guess what? It's so small that if you don't know them, they're probably the cousin of somebody you know. And so you just you just talk to him and you just say, hi, how you doing? Having a good day. He West, you know, it's a lot of Cuban, um, you know, a lot of Cuban music, Cuban food, Cuban um, sayings. And we'd say, que pasa? Like, what's up? How you doing? And I just talked to everybody. So one of the things that was a big challenge was, was one, trying to change who I was, you know, that I wasn't supposed to talk to people, that I wasn't supposed to wear my bright colors, that I wasn't supposed to be me. And what I found out, oh, here's a great story. <laughs> I got in trouble for my voicemail because my voicemail was too happy. And I use my air quotes, too happy. <laughs> and so the manager, he's one of the owners also of my brokerage. He said, Jennifer, you need to change that voicemail. It's way too happy. And I thought, well, okay, I don't, what do I do? And he said, so this is what you do. You make it really serious and hi, I'm Jennifer Hammond, you know, and you tell them exactly, please leave your message with your name and your phone number. And I was like, wow, it's just so boring. And I still, to this day, have uh, people who call my voicemail and I'll have even guys who are trying to sell me something and they get my voicemail and they're like, okay, I have a whole script that I need to say but first, I need to say that's the best voice I've ever heard. <laughs> and so, the, as the story goes, I got in trouble, and so my, I changed my voicemail. I, I did what I was told. You know, I did. You know, I changed. I became more of the city person, and I was very serious. And I put the serious voicemail on. And one of my clients called and said, "Oh, Jennifer, did your dog die?" Or did a family member die? And I, I was like, what are you talking about? No, I don't know what you mean. And they said, well, your voicemail, it's so serious. What happened? And I said, oh, I found out that wasn't professional. And I'm not allowed to do that. That's the island girl in me. And I'm not allowed to be like that. I have to be, you know, serious and a very serious city person. And uh, and she was so upset. She goes, who told you that? And I said, well, my boss at the, at, you know, the real estate firm, she said, well, give me his name and his phone number. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, she's my client. I'm, what am I going to say? No. So um, by the third person <laughs> who asked for my boss's phone number, he called me and he said, okay, Jennifer, I don't know why it works for you. It's not appropriate. It's completely inappropriate that you're so happy in business. And he goes, but I can't take arguing with any more of your clients. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got to keep my happy voicemail. And like I said, even to this day, I get all sorts of people call me and say, okay, that was the best voicemail I've ever heard. And to me, it's just like, it's just me being the island girl of, hi, it's Jennifer Hammond. I'm so excited to talk to you. Please leave a message. I mean, it's super simple, but what I realized is you need to be you. That's, and I think that's one of the biggest secrets is that people will no, they like to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And, and they want to know you, who you really are, not who you're trying to put on to be someone else. And even in the big city, they, you know, I'd say 
the people who wanted to work with me were the people who would appreciate the fact that I grew up on an island and that I might not know everything, but I also was really focused on how can I just be authentically, I'm interested in what do you want at, in a property when you're buying and even when you're selling, what are your goals? I want to, I really want to know, like, I'm not trying to fill out a check sheet. I want to know what it is that will help you either sell the property that you're wanting to sell in the time frame that you're wanting to sell it, or like relocation pro people were so much fun for me because I was like, okay, so tell me where you live now. And I'm going to Google Earth it. And then I actually had the opportunity actually to fly to Michigan and I would go look at their neighborhoods and I'd be like, oh, some of them are like, we don't have anything like this in Northern Virginia. But what I can get you is close to it. I could get you this or this. Here are some options, you know, and understanding what people want genuinely is something that I think as an island person, and you have to remember Key West is known for Hemingway. It's known for Jimmy Buffett. It's known for, you know, a lot of different artists. And what are artists? We're, you know, I, and I consider myself an artist in that we're just, we're kind of quirky and we're a little bit odd, but we're, for the most part, we're really just exploring life and being ourselves, no matter how odd or strange we might be. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, it's interesting. I was just uh, I was talking to, uh, for another episode just a little while ago about how when she got into real estate, you know, she tried to do the whole script thing and it just didn't work. It just couldn't, like she was too creative. And as soon as yeah. she got past all that, that's when her real estate career took off because she wasn't trying to fit into a predetermined box. Yeah. And I agree. I think it's important sometimes when you need, um, when you say the training wheels, like when you first go to ride your bike, it's nice sometimes. I never, I was never, I never had any scripts. Well, it's funny because now I look back on scripts and I think, oh, I probably would have loved that. Although I probably would have fumbled in the scripts and really messed it up. And I, one of the things I would say, part of the, my secret to my success was just being curious. I'm so curious about people and I'm so curious on what's going to, what I can do to really help them get whatever their their goals are. And if we're aligned like that, then it's just so much fun. Like for first time home buyers, let me give you an example. When I first got to DC, I I realized <laughs> very quickly uh, that I had uh, a little problem with deciding to I'm like, "Oh, I want to go into real estate." And then I was like, "Oh, but there's this problem. When I was a little girl, I remember waking up and hearing this just crashing. And my mom and dad, unfortunately, had very violent fights. But I heard a lot of breaking of dishes. And there was something terrible going on this night. And I didn't know what was happening. And then I saw flashing lights. And of course, that's about the time you take your arms and your covers. And I just covered my head like, you know, child trying to hide from it. But come to find out, my dad and my mom had made very bad financial decisions. And we were, the repo man was there to take my, to take the car, the family car. And also we lost the house. And so and my dad has never, ever, I mean, they divorced. My, my mom has passed away now, but my dad never, ever bought another house. And we just didn't have financial advice. And I realized, ah, I've never bought a piece of real estate. So one of my first challenges was like, okay, I need to go buy a piece of real estate. So I have some experience in it. But it was just like, wait a minute, 
if I'm going to do this, I want to know how to do it so that I can help all the other clients that I have who are first-time home buyers. So as a first-time home buyer back then in Washington, D.C., there was a $10,000 grant that you could be given. Plus, you could get a grant for your down payment and you could get this amazing second mortgage that you didn't have to make any payments on and you didn't have to pay it or do anything with it until you sold the property, no matter how long it was. That's when you had to pay it off. So in other words, you could get into a property with not only zero cash, but also they give you this check for $10,000. Unfortunately, $10,000 thing doesn't work. It's not there anymore, but that was 26 years ago. But I, when then I just realized, well, think how many people I could help with this. And then it just became exciting. Like I remember meeting um, these, I had gone out for Halloween, um, probably the second year I was in Washington, DC and everybody had costumes on and I had a costume on that had a mask. And I, that night <laughs> I met three people who would become my clients, but they had no idea what my face looked like. <laughs> And it was hilarious because I remember when they came to the office, we were like, we are all, you know, each person was like, so we realized that you stuck to your costume all night and we had no idea what you look like. But it was just so much fun because I, the reason that I, each one of them decided to go with me is because of my knowledge. I had knowledge of programs that could help them and really help them financially. So I think that's one of the things that's really important and to me. I get so excited when I have shared information that I learned and people have utilized it and I just watch how it changes their lives. And to me, that that's the, that's the goosebump worthy moment of they did it. They did it. Right. And I really like, you know, you talking about how over the course of your career, all these first time home buyers, you know, as you go along and, it, and if you are doing things the way you are by really educating and leaving that, you know, great impression that when it comes time for them to either move on or upgrade or, you know, purchase their second home, that you're the person that they're going to go to. Yeah. And it, it is because you get a loyalty and, and they also refer their friends. Like I'll be, I, sometimes I realize now when I look back on my career, how I want to say that I was so lucky because I was so, I didn't have any training in the beginning and I didn't know that I was supposed to keep in touch with my clients with that I had sold houses to. And so I always was the kind of person of, oh, I don't want to bother them. Like, I don't want to. And it's funny because now I think about how many emails I get from real estate agents and from mortgage brokers and from so many people and even postcards and and just all sorts of just spam. So I say like, oh, my gosh. However, I they would just call me. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, so good to talk to you out of the blue. And then sometimes we'd go for a cup of coffee or I'd have dinner at their house or such. And they're like, hey, I've got this person and this person and this person for you. And I was like, wow, I never, I even asked. They just would offer them up to me. And I think part of that just had to do with the fact that I had made an impact on their lives in, in a really positive way. And then I never, I mean, I, I was trying to think if I've ever asked for business. I just... I feel so incredibly blessed when you do a really good job. And it's the same thing. If you think about somebody that you really liked, whether it was a car salesperson or whatnot. And even like, I know my first car salesperson in uh, the Arlington, Virginia area was horrible. So horrible. And I remember it was the first time I had enough money to buy a Mercedes. 
And I was so excited about buying Mercedes. And he came over and he pat me on the head, um, just treating me terribly. And then even said to me, you know, you're so young and you own so much real estate for your age. He said, so we're not going to be able to give you a very good interest rate. He said, because you're a big risk because you're not married. And I'll never forget that salesperson. And I, you know, it's funny. I didn't buy a Mercedes from him. I ended up going somewhere else. So I think you remember those people who really are either really good or really bad. Right. Absolutely. So uh, transitioning a little bit, I want to talk to you about, you know, because you have you know, with your podcast and everything you've done, you've done you're you're doing a lot of, uh, you know, like training for other agents and really kind of helping you know other agents kind of learn the ropes. Um, and we've obviously been in a couple of years of some pretty wild markets, and you know, people outside of the industry start hearing about all this money that's being you know passed around in the real estate industry. Now I want to become an agent myself, and it was a little bit easier if you were in the right place and you had the right, you know, kind of people that money was, those listings were a little bit easier to sell and things were a little bit easier, but now it's not that way so much anymore. And there are a lot of agents that are starting to leave the business because they weren't really prepared. And there's a topic that really kind of struck me. And that is your, you know, three survival tips for a recessionary market for agents. Thank you. And it's so interesting because you're so correct. I've seen the statistics in different markets. I've seen it fluctuate from about 20 to 40% of the real estate agents will leave the market now that we have a changing market. And I would say a changing market because in some markets, it's still pretty hot depending on where you are, but it also depends on what price range you're in. And, and that's from like even... DC market is so different than if you go out into Northern Virginia and that's just a couple miles away. And then when you move down to Florida and I have lots of real estate agents that I work with that are out in California and it's really important depending on where you are, what price range you're in and all of that stuff. So I, I wrote a book and I just did it this year, 2023, um, survival skills for real estate agent. It's an, it's free. So anybody wants it, I'll give you all the details so you can share with your audience. I thought it was really important, and I want to talk about the, the my top three that are they're in the book, but that are really important. And the number one, I think, one is is your mindset. And I know that it's probably been talked about a, a million times, but you can see the glass half empty or half full. That that old saying really is true because. And I, I love it. There was actually a car salesman who he taught, you know, the the what day is the best day to buy a car? Is it the first of the month or the last of the month or the middle of the month? And then it was hilarious because, and it's the same thing with real estate. So is it best to buy it? Is it best to buy in January? Is it best to buy in the spring? Is it best to buy in? Well, it depends. But I can give you an argument either way on on any market in any house. So what it really boils down to is your mindset and your mindset will bleed like, I mean, it will bleed into everyone else's attitude toward a transaction. So it, if you are the buyer's agent, your buyer, whether you're negative, like I, I remember one time I was talking on the phone and I actually had, I, I had adopted this beautiful dog. He was a, a German shepherd that was a retired military dog. And, and I remember I was getting really, 
you know, wound up about something that was contentious. And I watched this dog just get so wound up. And it was like the most immediate um, reflection of your mindset. And then I, I looked at him and I, I was like, oh my gosh, this poor dog who has been a, a bomb um, detecting dog overseas is now super stressed out because I'm stressed out because of a home inspection. And I took a deep breath and I looked at him in his eyes and, and I react and I realized that my buyer was also getting so upset. That mindset bleeds into your attitude, whether your attitude's like, you know what? We're going to figure this out. Doesn't matter that they just said that the roof is falling in or they just said like the most costly thing you could possibly think of is, is now wrong with the house. Well, let's see if there's a solution. I mean, more than once I've had to have an entire roof replaced and that's not that guess what that means here's the positive that means your buyer now has a brand new roof they're not having to worry about getting a roof that they're going to have to replace in five years or 10 years it is a brand new roof with all its warranties and all that stuff so there is always a silver lining and there's always a solution those two things in your mindset there's always a silver lining and there's always a solution and the silver lining part of it, I think, is is so sometimes you, you have to really hunt <laughs> to figure right. out what that silver lining is. And sometimes it means that, guess what? It was great because we didn't buy that money pit of a house. You know, when you're working, I mean, I, especially I've worked with so many buyers who they kept losing houses over this crazy, oh, competitive, multiple offer market. And then um, I was like, you know, that wasn't the right house for you. I know you you thought it was, but there was probably something about it. And then as time goes on and they get the house that they end up buying, they always come back to me and say, I'm so glad we didn't buy that other one. And whether it was because it was overpriced or they were going to pay, they were willing to pay way more than they should for it. Or the other thing that we hear a lot is that it had things that they didn't really love about it. And the new place they had was even better. And maybe because the location was closer to a park or whatnot. So number one, that mindset thing is so critical. And then number two, as you just said, it's learning to be flexible. And you know, you talked about it's a changing market. Well, you need to be flexible and be willing to be flexible because so often, and as we go along, you know, we're so used to our routines. I think about driving sometimes. If you get in a car and you start to drive, so often if you start driving, all of a sudden you might have gone two or three blocks and been like, whoa, what happened? I didn't even notice it. You didn't even notice it. Did you look at your speedometer? Are you really going five miles over the speedometer, the speed limit, or are you going the actual speed limit, or are you under the speed limit? So often we go into these unconscious routines. And unfortunately, that can be hazardous. And like, just like driving a car, it could be hazardous if you're just kind of going like a robot and being very root about, a, oh my gosh, that's just what I do. Well, this is the time that you change your habits. You be, you be flexible because the market's changing, but you also, you really have to be able to be willing to change with it. If you're not willing to change with the market, you're, you're not, you're not going to survive this. And then um, number three, so I don't, I don't know, I don't want to run out of time with you, is um, is uh, is being a true expert for a survival skill. And this is the one I think that gets so missed with real estate agents is learning to be the expert. People are relying on you to be an expert. So like often I'll just, for fun, I might ask a real estate agent, 
So do you know how many houses sold in the half million dollar range in the last month, the last three months, the last six months, if that's what you're selling? Like, where are you selling? Are you selling a million dollar properties? How many sold in the last month in the, in your area? Is it the citywide, countywide? What is the area? Do you know all those statistics? And how well do you know them? If you were at a luncheon and someone asked you, so how many houses? So this time last year, do you know how many houses sold in this price range, in this area, in this neighborhood? Being able to just know that knowledge, that means that you're you're being the expert in that. You are the neighborhood expert. You're the expert that's a $500,000 expert. You're the expert in the million dollar range. Or if you're a luxury agent, you really need to know that. And and I, when I say be the expert, that I mean, I can expound on that. I could do... You do hours and hours and hours of that because even in one of the things that I loved over the years in Washington DC is I was I had the privilege of some of the other real estate agents that I work with had law degrees. I even had one who had a PhD in architecture. And he used to just I loved it. He would he was very there's no other word for it. He was arrogant and it was but it was hilarious because he would look down his nose at us and say, so don't you know the difference between a Queen Anne, a Victorian and, um, you know, a Wardman or just all sorts of different architectural features? You're like, well, who knows that stuff? And he's like, well, but you should have a general knowledge if you're going to work in Victorian houses. When did what is the turret and when did they take that feature away? And you know, why, why does this step, why does this one have five steps into the house and this one has two? And there's so many stories that go along with that. And knowing the history of an area can make you such a better expert when you're helping people. So be the expert is a survival skill. Again, I could go on and on and on with, but there's just so many fun aspects to it. So find the one that you're passionate about. Just like my friend who was the architect, he's he loved all those details. And I loved when he would share with me, when we, as real estate agents go for a walk through a house, like, okay, show me, why is that window like that? Why do I love you know that particular door? And what's the difference between this wood and this wood and, and this brick and this brick or that granite and that granite? You know, knowing those nuances and those differences make you an expert that really helps your clients success. And think about that every time, whether it's a buyer or seller, they're successful. So are you. And, and let me flip it. You know, I kept talking about buyers, but if you're working with a seller, knowing their house. So knowing what is that granite that's there, that's how you put it into your marketing, knowing where the windows are and where does the sun, does the sun come in in the morning? Do you have morning light in there? You know, all of the de different details. What was that developer? Was that a very famous builder? Is there a famous architect that was involved with this? Did they renovate it after the fact? All of that stuff makes you an expert. And those are those are the three uh, survival skills that I'm sharing right now that, and again, if you want more, go to the book. The book has all sorts of stuff in it. And I just love helping people. Right. Well, before, so tell me where can people get the book real quick before we... Uh move on. So you can go to my website, jenniferjhammond.com. So there's the J just like Jennifer in the middle of it, jenniferjhammond.com. And that has my courses, but it has the free book up there. And I have all sorts of other free resources up there for real estate agents, but also for anyone who's just interested in real estate investors and such. I love helping anyone who's interested in real estate. 
Right. Yeah, definitely. We'll have all the links right there in the episode description for anybody listening. But I also, I'm really a big proponent of becoming that expert, you know, in, in different ways too. You know, if you are the relocation expert, really knowing those communities and knowing, you know, what the school systems are like, where the parks are even, you know, where I live in St. Augustine here, even just the different neighborhoods that are divided by the highway here, the amenities that come with each one, you know, those are a pretty big deal to the people that live here because the price points and everything that comes with it. And we have a lot of people moving in this area and those people that really know the areas and have, you know, the different content pieces, whether it's a video or blogs, all those different things that they can pass out to these uh, people coming in. Those are the people that are doing really well. Yeah. And what you said is such an insight because there's I in Washington, D.C., it was so much fun. I would have in the same block, we could have two condo buildings that were right next to each other. And from the outside, you know, you just think they, they're the same but they weren't the same. And part of them was even what you just talked about with neighborhoods. So number one, you have to considerations like noise. So is one not built as well as the other one? So you can hear the noise from the inside, which again, for the most part, you're not gonna have somebody advertise, oh, this is the less noisy <laughs> of the condos. Or, but also like with the condo board, is the condo board raising the condo fees over and over and over again? Oh goodness then that's going to really affect your bottom line. But also realizing so many other nuances that go with it. Do they have amenities in the building? And what are those amenities? Are they things that are being kept up like a swimming pool? Because a swimming pool is pretty expensive, you know, as well as all the insurance and the things that go with it. So what does that mean? And are those amenities you're going to use? Or is that like, I know so many people who went moved into um, communities with tennis courts and they love the idea of the tennis courts well, they're never, ever going to play tennis, you know, so they're subsidizing all the tennis players <laughs> who do play right. tennis. So what is important to me? And you mentioned schools and crime, and there are so many different aspects to an area that really determine whether that's your neighborhood or whether it's not the place that you're going to feel at home. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And I do have one more question for you. And I, you know, because just your energy you're putting off. I did have to ask you about this, but the Happiness Hall of Fame, you got to tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. What is that all about? <laughs> so it's so fun. I'm known on SiriusXM for my yay. And I started that, you know, again, there's a there's a lot of things that happened, including there was, um, and I know, again, I know we don't have all that time, but I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you, there was a story. There was, so I got onto SiriusXM and I was, I was a bit, like, oh my gosh, this is, there's a lot of responsibility here. I got to do the best I can do. And after a couple months, I was wondering if I was, if I was really giving all I could give, or if it was really helping people as I, I didn't have, you know, the first couple months afterwards, people start to become, they call you a lot. But when I first started, they weren't really calling a whole lot. And I got a guy, I got a woman, excuse me. She called me from Atlanta, Georgia. And she said, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's you. It's Jennifer Hammond. And I was like, well, yes. And I thought, you know, my name, my name, my number is on signs all over town. So I just thought she's calling me for that. And then she said, you know, I listened to you on Sirius XM radio and I wanted to say thank you for saving my life. Well. And sh long story short, I was just absolutely blown away 
by finding out that I could help people in that way, that somebody would not commit suicide because they had gotten information that really changed their lives. And, and I, I just started saying, yay, every single time somebody had absorbed information, applied the information, even when they were being like with the radio show I love, and even on, on social media, and I do, you know, all the, the live social media stuff as well. I love questions because one of the things that I find with the questions is so often people are afraid to ask a question. So I'm like, oh, you can tell me your name's Bob when it's George, or I don't care. You just ask the question because you're probably afraid. It's something that's important to you, but you're afraid to ask it. And I just want you to ask. And so I would keep celebrating people. And then someone observed me and they said, you need to be in the Happiness Hall of Fame. And I was like, what is that? And I don't know if you've gone to the website, but there, I mean, Muhammad Ali is in it. (laughs) I was looking at it not too long ago and it is a who's who of like professional Hall of Fame athletes. You got Dolly Parton in there. I mean, it is a stacked list in there. It's amazing. And I, I feel so honored that they they included me in there. And I think for me, that's my goal is just to be able to make a difference in people's lives. And and I, I say that my my true goal is to spread as many yays in the world as possible. And I, I love it, whether it's through real estate or whether it's just by changing your mindset and trying to find that silver lining the more we can we can find the happiness in this world and there is so much it, I, I think unfortunately you know we're we've we become a society where we watch you know news negative news and things of that nature and it's important to find the happiness in there and when when i when they when they honored me with the happiness hall of fame i was i was so blown away looking at mother teresa and like some of the people that are in there and then i thought you know I think so often each one of us undervalues our own contribution and how much we can change other people's lives just by some of the simplest things. Even if you think about it, wherever you're walking today, if you're in the grocery store, someplace that you're thinking nobody's looking at you or whatever, you can really change someone's life and you don't know what's going on in their lives. But even just whether it's a smile or just saying hello and communicating with people, I mean, it, you don't know. I mean, I know there are plenty of stories where somebody was really down or they're thinking about committing suicide. I mean, as dramatic as that is, I, I was so blown away how, I mean, I just so invalidated myself when I first heard, how, why would a radio show, never mind a, a real estate radio show, help people in such a way that they wouldn't commit suicide? And then I thought, you know what? It's amazing because you never know what's triggered somebody that, you just communicating with them and showing them love, even if it's somebody who's a homeless person on the street, just saying hi to them, just communicating with them and realizing that we've all gone through stressful times and we've all had a time where we weren't our best and we need forgiveness for <laughs> not the best you know, aspects of ourselves. And we just keep on growing. And every one of us, we want to grow and be better. And we're we're striving to be that person. And sometimes it doesn't come out. So we have to help each other and encourage each other to keep on going forward, no matter what's happening. And even with the inner turmoil, 
that happens. And every one of us have it. That's why I use that image of Goofy when he had the little devil on one shoulder and he's got the angel on the other. Each one of us has those little negative voices and then the positive voices. And we have a tendency to believe the negative more than we do the positives. And so that's why I say we got to keep spreading as many yays in the world <laughs> as possible. Yeah. yeah, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. I really do appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And I love your podcast. I'm listening to the different episodes. I love you have so much variety. Thank you for what you do. I really want to thank Jennifer for taking the time to speak with us today. If you're interested in hearing more, I've included links to her website, podcast, and book, Real Estate Agent Survival Skills, in the episode description. So once again, if you think you or someone else on your team has an incredible story or a tip to share with our community, send us a message at feedback at smartagents.com. Well, that wraps things up for this episode. But remember, follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to subscribe to the Smart Agents YouTube channel. Again, I'm Michael Walter, and we'll see you on the next episode.